Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Long Mace Humane Podcast. I'm Aiden, I'm your host for this podcast. So, before we get into part two of Harriet Tubman's life, um, I just wanted to address the situation that's going on in Ukraine right now, because, you know, the last time uh, we were all together, uh, the situation hadn't escalated uh, quite as bad as it has now, and I, f- I feel like it's my duty, not only as, a, as an amateur historian, but like as like a citizen of the world, uh, to talk a bit about like um, like how I feel about it and also like what you can do to help and what I've tried to do to help as a person of very little means. So obviously the situation in Ukraine is very, very nerve wracking. Like it literally like when I when I woke up to the news that Russia had invaded Ukraine, I genuinely like I didn't think that they would do it because like I, f- I always felt like we were like past the time where a conflict could escalate to World War Three, like especially like in my own study of World War Two, I, I I felt like we had created like a new world order where something like this couldn't happen, and and also I I I feel like I kind of have a different perspective on it because I'm I'm only twenty, and like a lot of people are comparing this to to Iraq and Afghanistan, which is like totally valid. Um, but, like, I feel like I kind of have a different perspective on those wars because, like, I don't remember them starting. Uh, they were always just kind of happening as I was growing up. And also my dad being in the military, like, I knew about them, but, like, I didn't, I I never understood how serious they were. And, like, I probably should have realized that as a kid, but I really just didn't. And also, like, with my dad being in the military, like, I never really thought about the fact that my dad could have been, like, shot and, like, he would have never come home. Like, n- my parents never really framed it to me in that way. But, like, seeing this war happen and seeing the images of tanks rolling into cities and and soldiers saying goodbye to their wives and children and husbands and just, like, seeing all the people that are dying over something so freaking stupid. Like, Russia has no right to just simply invade another country just because they want it back. And, oh, God, it's just it's really terrible and like it, it I've been pulling my hair about out about it even though like it doesn't affect me at all like the closest connection I have to this is that my my step-grandfather is Ukrainian but I don't even know how he feels about this I don't know if he has any like cousins down there but like my my heart literally breaks in this situation and you know I always try to keep it lighthearted on here even when we're dealing with like very sensitive subjects but like I, I really wanted to address the situation, my feelings about it. So yeah. Um, as for ways you can help, I've already donated uh, $5 to the uh, Canadian Red Cross to help. I mean, I don't have much money, but I thought that could be a little helpful. And I think you guys should donate to the Red Cross too. I mean, I mean, obviously some of you guys are listening from different countries. Um, I don't know how, like where, the Red Cross operates other than the United States and Canada, but, like, if you can find a place you can donate to Ukraine, please do. It would be so helpful, I'm sure. Also, uh, when you're donating, do be, like, vigilant 
of where you donate because I've heard that there are some um, like Russian bots like pretending to be like donations for Ukraine, but it's not actually going to help the people who need it. So do that. It'd be great. Uh, we really need to help the people of Ukraine. Okay, so uh, moving on, today we are getting back into the life of Harriet Tubman. Now, I believe uh, last time we were talking about her, we uh, were leading just up to the Civil War, which is kind of like Harriet's uh, reputation era, like she goes full on mm -mm -mm on the South. Um, I'm really excited to get in this part of her life because it's like, it's such a badass era for her. So let's get into it. Okay, so before we just like jump back into the second part of Harriet's life, let's just do a quick recap of what we covered in the first episode, just in case you don't want to go back and listen to the uh, first part. Are you ready? Okay, let's go. So Harriet was born as Araminta Ross in the state of Maryland in 1820 to her enslaved parents, Rit and Ben Ross. Harriet grew up in slavery and it pretty much affected every part of her life and she was worked harshly by the time she was six years old. Harriet suffered lashings, beatings, and at one point in her life was even sit with, hit with a six-pound iron that gave her bad headaches her entire life and, like, various head problems, which, in her own way, she interpreted as uh, messages from God, and it pretty much only made her more rebellious than she had ever been. Now, in about 1849 or 1850, Harriet escaped slavery by herself without her family members or even her already free husband, and settled in Philadelphia, where she worked odd jobs until the Fugitive Slave Act was passed, which allowed uh, southern slave owners to come and collect runaway slaves from northern states, even if slavery was illegal there. Now, it was at this moment where Harriet became incredibly active on the Underground Railroad, which had been established. In the 11 years before the Civil War, she helped about 100 slaves escape, including her nieces, brothers, and her elderly parents. She even came back for her husband, John Tubman, but unfortunately, he was a dickwad and he moved on and remarried. Uh, but you can listen to my rage about that in, like, part one if you want to hear me, like, go off on John Tubman. Now, it's here in part two that we will get to the badassery that is Miss Gen General Harriet Tubman during the Civil War because she truly does some of her finest work during the Civil War. So, let's get into it. So, the Civil War broke out in about 1861, and despite what some people say, the Civil War was about slavery. Not about states' rights, it was about slavery. And, you know, Harriet knew this war would be, like, an essential step to abolition, realized that a northern victory in this war could end slavery as she knew it. So, she got to work. At the start of the war, she joined abolitionists from Boston and Philadelphia who were going to uh, Union camps to help fugitive slaves fleeing the South. Now, despite this image we have about, like, the North, like, always being against slavery, that wasn't really the truth. Uh, before Black Unit Union, sorry, before Black Union units in the Union Army were set up, fugitive slaves who fled to the Union Army uh, for assistance were unfortunately worked very harshly for little to no pay. And when people like uh, uh, General David Hunter, who was actually a friend of Harriet's, uh, freed several of these slaves from labor at American forts, um, President Lincoln at the time, he actually ordered General David Hunter to stop doing that, but uh, Hunter did not listen. Now, even though Harriet supported the Union, and actually she really did admire President Lincoln like a lot, like she thought he was like a 
pretty good person. She also thought he was a coward for not making the war about the issue of slavery immediately and trying to pander to the South too much, which Lincoln totally did do because in his eyes, originally the war wasn't about slavery and he wanted like the South and the North to like, just like get back together really easily. But he, he just wasn't focusing too much on the issue of slavery. Now, as much as we really like to think of Lincoln as this like like cool guy who like freed the slaves, which you know he does deserve credit for, he did do that. We also have to remember he wasn't an abolitionist. He he definitely thought slavery was like an outdated system, but he also thought it was something that would like die out on his own, on its own, which you know <laughs> probably wouldn't have happened. Now I'm sure at this point point Harriet was thinking, um, no, you dumb fuck, we need you abolish it now so she started taking matters into her own hands until link lincoln finally grew some fucking balls <laughs> and passed the emancipation proclamation in 1863 now during the next two years she led expeditions around port, port royal in virginia since it had a uh, pretty similar terrain to her home state of maryland her knowledge was very very useful when trying to get around um port royal now, when she wasn't leading expeditions, she served as an army nurse helping black and white soldiers recover from diseases like dysentery and smallpox, or unfortunately, uh, very common in military camps. Uh, she received uh, government rations for her work as a nurse, uh, but other recently freed black people thought she was like getting like really special treatment. So uh, she gave her gave up her right to supplies and started selling homemade pies and root beer to make money, which like really sucks that like her like own people were getting mad at her for like the government providing her with payment for her job. I mean, I understand why they might've been upset because they were being treated like crap, but come on, that's not fair. She was doing a lot of good work. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's get into uh, one of the biggest raids that Harriet ever participated in, which was called the Columbia River Raid. Now, I don't know if any of you guys ever, like, watched the show Timeless. Um, if you haven't, you should. It's a really good show, uh, even though it got canceled. Um, <laughs> but it was actually from that show that I learned about this raid and, like, how significant of a win it was for the Union and for Harriet personally. Now, Colonel James Montgomery uh, personally chose Harriet to lead an all-black unit to raid uh, several wealthy rice plantations on the Columbia River in South Carolina and rescue the slaves that were living there. Now, the Columbia River Raid was the first time in American history that we know of that a woman led a military expedition, which is so cool that she, of all people, was the first one to do this. Now, on the night of June 1st, 1863, uh, Harriet, rifle in hand, uh, sailed up the river with a few Union battleships with her, and during the night, they struck pretty much every plantation up and down the river. Now, every place they went, they rescued hundreds of enslaved people and brought them to uh, Union-controlled Beaufort, South Carolina, where Harriet would uh, later attend to them uh, herself. Now, in just a few hours, Harriet helped free over 750 slaves in just one night. I mean, that's that's an impressive ratio. Now, most of the men uh, she rescued that night actually went on to serve in the Union Army um, uh, fighting the Confederacy, and uh, luckily they were able to receive their freedom when the Civil War ended, and I'm sure that just made, like, Harriet, like, absolutely, like, over the moon about this. I mean, she did a really good thing by participating in this raid, and she, like, doubled her rescue numbers. <laughs> no, more like tripled, but quadrupled. She, it was great. <laughs> Now, uh, Harriet continued to work for the Army after this raid and was even present at the assault on Fort 
uh, Wagner, where she received, uh, sorry, where she served uh, Colonel uh, Robert Shaw, uh, the commander who captained uh, the first all-black unit of American sol soldiers. Um, now, we believe uh, that she served him his final me meal before he died during the assault, which is actually pretty cool. Now, until the Civil War ended, Harriet uh, continued to work hard tending to uh, newly liberated slaves, and she also uh, scouted into Confederate territory, and uh, she nursed wounded soldiers in Virginia. Also, I have to mention, she wore dresses while doing all this. Like, I always figured that, like, she, like, might have worn some, like, you know, pants, because they probably would have been, like, more practical for, like, doing all the shit she did. But no, this bitch walked into Confederate territory, rifle in hand, in a dress. Yes. <laughs> now, the war ended in uh, 1865, and after a few more months of service, she was able to retire and return to her uh, home in Auburn, New York, New York uh, where she had bought a piece of land uh, with a house for her family to live in, uh, where she planned uh, to retire. But don't worry, the story isn't over yet, because Harriet kept on being a fucking icon even after the war was over. Now, in 1869, riding on a train, the conductor told her to uh, move from the half-price section into the baggage car. And basically, she was like, the fuck I am? And she showed him the papers she had, which proved she had a right to sit in the section. So the conductor tried to move her forcibly. And while they were dragging her to the baggage car, she actually broke her arm, which ugh, which would have sucked. She was like, gosh, she was getting up into her 40s and 50s at this time. That would have been like a shit injury at that age. Now, apparently this moment uh, was a big inspiration for when uh, Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat uh, nearly 100 years later, which is like so cool that that something Harriet did like inspired like like such an iconic thing in like uh, black civil rights. Now, um, after the war, Harriet had to work various odd jobs as well as uh, run a farm and take in uh, boarders to take care of her aging parents. If you guys don't know what boarders is, it's basically like you like rent out a room to like travelers normally in your house and like they pay you, you know, it's almost like running a mini hotel. And, you know, her parents were getting up there in years and she didn't have enough money to take care of them. So taking in boarders was like a great way to make extra income. Now, while it was probably uh, hard work and probably sucked, uh, she didn't mind it if it was for her parents. She loved her parents. Now, still, for a total American hero, money was tight since she actually received no recognition from the government for her services during the war, which um, sucks. And as I mentioned before, she wasn't paid for any of the things she had done, so she spent much of her later life in poverty. However, there was one bright spot in her life when she met Mr. Nelson Charles Davis. Yay! Now, Harriet met her second husband when he came to stay as a boarder in her house shortly after the war ended. Now, Nelson spent about three years living at her home until, uh, you know, they got a little cozy, and he finally proposed. Uh, they got married on March 18th, 1869, when uh, Harriet was almost 50 years old and Nelson was 30. Yep, that's right. Nelson was a whole two decades younger than her. And, you know, who knew Harriet Tubman would be a cougar later in life? Good for her, but I digress. Now, let's get to know uh, hubby number two, 
Now, Nelson was born into slavery in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, um, probably sometime in the 1840s, and he escaped slavery when he was a teenager thanks to the Underground Railroad. Now, when the war started, uh, soon after his arrival, he was very eager to fight and enlisted in the army when black units were finally created in 1863 after the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, Nelson served for uh, two years in the army, and... Um, he actually got discharged in Texas, and after that, he made his way back to New York, uh, where he met Harriet and fell in love with her. Now, um, Harriet and Nelson ran the Auburn farm together and raised chickens and pigs and grew apples, potatoes, and they actually sold homemade butter, which is really cool. Now, um, in 1874, uh, the couple adopted a little orphan black girl and raised her as their child. Uh, they named her uh, Gertie, and from what I heard, they were, like, pretty awesome parents to her. Um, you know, I actually couldn't really find a lot on Gertie. Like, there's really no mention of, like, what she was like or... Um, just like really anything about her it's like pretty much uh, everything i could find about her is like her name's gertie and <laughs> that's it <laughs> now um unfortunately in 1888 when nelson was in his late 40s he did pass away due to tuberculosis which you know devastated harriet like she really really loved nelson like a lot and after that she continued to raise her daughter gertie uh i think gertie would have been about 14 at the time um and god raising a teenager without your husband especially uh, when she's, like, getting up into her 60s, would have been hard without her husband. But luckily, uh, because of her husband's service in the army, she was entitled to his pension and finally got the money she deserved, even though it wasn't hers. But it actually did help her uh, raise her daughter. Now, as the years uh, went by and it became uh, closer to the start of the 20th century, uh, the suffragette movement was picking up in America, and it became something that Harriet became, like, super passionate about. Now, as much as we praise the suffragette move movement and i have the suffragette movement to uh thank for being able to vote today we also have to understand that many suffragettes like susan b anthony for example only wanted votes for like wealthier middle-class white women and pretty much completely ignored women of color in the fight for equality now in fact as far as i know black women weren't allowed to vote till like the 60s which is like god like decades after women got the right to vote in the 20s. Now, despite this, Harriet made a point to go out and talk about votes for women in the 1890s, which, uh, may I remind you, she was in her 80s doing this. Now, she traveled to both Washington, D.C. and Boston to give speeches, as well as becoming a member of the National Association of Colored Women's Clubs, where she gave several speeches on why all women deserve to vote, which, you know, go her. Uh, we definitely uh, need to be more intersectional in feminism, so go Harriet. Now, by 1911, uh, she was in her late late 80s. Uh, Harriet was, like, literally so frail, she had to be put in a wheelchair and moved to a care home uh, for uh, black people, which was actually named in her honor after she died. And she spent pretty much the rest of her days uh, actually still suffering from... Um, the headaches and seizures that she had gotten due to her childhood injury, which, like I said, she interpreted as, like, visions uh, from God. Now, on uh, March 10th, 1913, uh, Harriet passed away surrounded by her family, most likely her niece's nephews, uh, her daughter Gertie, and possibly some grandchildren from Gertie. Like I said, we don't know much about Gertie, but she could have had children at this time. 
All right. So, oh God, legacy. I'm also, guys, I'm so sorry. This is a much uh, shorter episode than uh, I normally do. I didn't expect it to uh, be so short. <laughs> anyway, so uh, legacy. Gosh, where do you even start with a legacy like Harriet Tubman? She is by far one of the most famous Civil War heroes, and she was such a significant step towards rights for Black people and the abolition of slavery as a whole. Now, while it took a while, the United States has honored her, uh, turning many of the places she lived and worked into national historic sites to honor her legacy. Not to mention, uh, hopefully very soon, uh, the plan uh, to put her on uh, the front of the American $20 bill will actually go through. Uh, so that she can be honored on money. It'd be really nice if they, like, actually went through with that. I, th I feel like it's been, like, in development for a while, but they just, you know, haven't done it. Uh, she has also been honored in literature, uh, statues, and art, but I don't think anything will ever be able to, like, truly capture, like, what she did and, like, what a hero she was. Now, thank you guys for joining me so much on this, unfortunately, very short episode. I wanted to make it longer, but... Uh. Um, I will see you guys in two weeks with the next episode. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions for topics, you can just DM me on Twitter at LongMaceyRain2. The N at the end of rain is replaced with a 2 instead. I'm also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and like a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, don't forget to rate and review this podcast on all those platforms. It really actually does help the show so much and it will help me grow my audience. So I would absolutely appreciate it if you guys could do that. All right. Uh, bye.